0: Well, good morning, and we are in part three of a series called Unsure, Navigating, Loving, and Healthy Decisions. That's what we're going through. And um, I'm sure you guys have been in a situation where you're like, I have to make a decision, and I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do, so I want to see what God wants me to do. And you're like, okay, God made it, for some of you, God makes it abundantly clear. Like, I think God really wants me to do this. In other cases, you're like, I don't know what God wants me to do, so I'm just going to guess and hope that this is what God wants me to do, right? And the problem with asking and seeking God is that a lot of times, I'm not saying for every case, but in many cases, God seems to be silent, right? So we're going to be talking about that today because a lot of times when we think about, like, what does God want me to do, we're not just thinking about, what am I supposed to eat today? Like, you're praying, you're like, Lord, for lunch, should I get a burger? Or should I go Mexican today and get a taco? <sighs> no, but I had taco the other day. What is that, Lord? You want me to watch my calorie? Okay, we'll get salad. You know, like, some of you are thinking, like, God, what do you want me to do with lunch? But for other people, you're thinking, like, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, a, like something really big, right? And we get over dramatic when it comes to these things. And there is a term for that. Okay, in Christianity, in our circle, and this is a term that a lot of people don't use outside the church, maybe like spiritual people do, but in Christianity, we call this calling. Calling. You probably heard people say, I feel called to do something, or I feel called to become a doctor, or I call to, to go to that school instead of this school, right? I call to be, you know, what, right? And there are other terms for this too. Um, in some Christian circles, they call this vocation, right? I feel like God is calling me to be you know, uh, a teacher, right? But the problem is this, again, you sit down, you open up your Bible, and you pray, maybe you even fast, okay? And you're praying, it's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And you just don't hear from him. And what happens is, you end up with this thing called paralysis. Like You're like, I, I, I just finished college. I have to apply for a job. But Lord, I want to make sure that the job I'm going to do is the one that you want me to do. Otherwise, I'm not going to work at all and so you're waiting. What job should I apply for? What should I do? What should I do? And a day goes by. Like, okay, didn't hear from the Lord today? Maybe tomorrow. Two days go by. Three days. A week. A month. And eventually your parents are like, get out of your butt and just go find a job, right? Do something useful with your life, right? But the paralysis sets in, right? You're like, I don't know what to do with my life because I didn't hear from God what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> right? Or maybe it's not a job. Maybe it's marriage. Like, I've been dating this person for this many years, and uh, is this the one? Lord, just give me a sign. What I need to do, I'm not asking much from you, Lord, but tomorrow when I look at the clouds, it's going to part, and there's going to be stars, and it's going to spell yes or no. That's what I'm looking for, because this is a one-time decision in my life. I want to make sure I get it right. And the next day, you look up in the clouds, and the clouds don't part, and you don't get a yes or a no, and you're like, okay, I'll just wait another day, another day, a day after that. And eventually, the person you wanted to marry is like, I, what? what's going on here, man? Uh don't make me wait, you know, and eventually they answer for you. Like, I'm not going to marry you because you're so indecisive. I don't know, right? (laughs) Lord, was that you telling me that I'm not supposed to marry this person? Maybe I should marry somebody who's more patient? I don't know, right? But paralysis, you guys get what I'm trying to say? What school am I supposed to get into? Eventually, the circumstances will make a decision for you and you have to convince yourself somehow that that was God's will and is that really the healthiest way to go about this? I don't know, right? Imagine you're like waiting, and waiting, Lord, what am I supposed to eat for dinner? You're waiting, waiting, and eventually you get so hungry, you'll eat a cardboard box, and you're like, you know, right? Or like, what am I supposed to wear today? I think just wearing flannel and jeans is the right way to go, but okay. (laughs) But I want to start off with a quote that Lori used last week, because it's perfect for today's message. This is from a guy named Henry Nouwen. He was a priest. He's passed away since, but um. He has really good insight. This is what he says Christian discernment, this is another word for calling. Christian discernment is not the same as decision making. Today we're not talking about decision making, we're talking about discernment. He's going to tell us what the difference is here. He says, Decision making can be straightforward. We consider our goals and options, and then we choose the action that meets our goals most effectively. Should I wear blue and yellow, or red and yellow? Well, it's obvious, I think, you know, like, if I want to be liked by the people around me, then I should wear UCLA colors, you know, right? It's pretty obvious, right? Sorry to the Trojans. Daryl, sorry. And Guy, sorry. Okay. Discernment, on the other hand, is about listening and responding to the place where, uh, w- within us where our deepest desires align with God's desire. Decision-making is weighing the options and saying, this seems to be more beneficial than this right? And I hope a lot of us, we have that skill, and if not, that we develop those skills. This is very important. Discernment, on the other hand, is not saying this looks better than this. It's saying, God, where are you? And I'm going to try to align with you, and whatever answer that lands on, that's the one I'm going to go with. That's discernment. That's calling. That's vocation. But as we've been talking about for the last five minutes, what if you don't hear from God? What if you don't know God's will? How? Oh, next, next slide. How do we know God's desire for my life? Right? Okay. Pastor, I get it. Align with God and let that be the decision maker. Got it. Okay. But how do I know what God wants for me? Where is God in all this? So, if you look through the scriptures page by page and you look for the word calling, you won't really find the word calling too much in the Bible, but the concept of calling, you'll find out that they fall into three categories. Okay? And... Today, I just want to give you a little overview. I'm going to talk about two ways that you could hear from God, two ways to discern, okay? I'm going to start with the first one, which has three parts to it, okay? This is the best way to do it, but if this does not work, then there's a secondary one, okay? So there's two that we're going to talk about today. I don't want you to say two looks more practical and it's very practical and neglect the first one. So I'll talk about it when we get there. Okay, but anyways, going back. When we look at through the scriptures and find out how do people find out what God is doing, how do we people find out what God's calling for their lives is, there's three, ways that pe- there's three categories that it falls under. The first one is called the providential call. What this means is this is something that God's going to do no matter what. Okay, so if you're thinking, oh, man, there's so much depression, there's so much wrong, there's so much sin, there's so much bad things happening in my life, Lord, we need a Savior. Please send us your Son. Now, whether if you pray that prayer or not, God's like, I'm going to do it anyways, right? Or in today's time, you're like, man, uh, we just need Jesus to come back again, so what do I have to do to make sure Jesus comes back again? And God would be like, you don't have to pray that because I'm going to do it, whether you do A or B today, it's going to come your way anyways, right? So there's this providential call, right? And here's the interesting thing that, about providential call. Even though we know that God will do it anyways, a lot of times when he does it, it, goes, it happens through people. Like, Jesus came through Mary, right? Like, whether, and if Mary was unavailable, he would find somebody else to do it, right? It happens through people. Okay, so if God's like, this is how the world's supposed to turn out, if it wasn't through this group of people, then it would happen through another group of people. It always happens through people. So that's the first one, providential call. The second calling is called moral call. What that is, is there's do's and don'ts that God wants to, like, there's things that he's like, if you want to pray to me and ask if if my will, like his will for my life is to lie to somebody, he's like, you don't even have to pray about that, Cots. Don't, just don't lie. Right, Lord, I, I'm just thinking about, I don't know, I, I think it's you who's speaking to me to cheat on my, wo- oh, that wasn't you? Like, you don't have to, right? Like, we already know, don't do that, right? <laughs> um, murder, murder, You know, there's somebody in my way, I need to get them out of the way, should I, like, no. There's a calling, and these are like, you don't, even have to think about it twice. We already know what God's stance on this is. Moral call is the do's and don'ts in your life, okay? So that's right. And oftentimes when we talk about paralysis, we don't talk about paralysis in these terms, right? Providential call, you're not like staying up all night thinking, what am I supposed to do? Moral call, you don't stay up all night thinking, am I supposed to do the wrong thing today? Right? You're off we're, we are often not stuck because of these two types of calling it's the third one that we often get stuck on, which is called the personal call. What am I supposed to do? The first two are general. It's for everybody if you choose to follow Jesus, right? This is for everybody. This is for you specifically. And because everybody's is so different, just like your fingerprints are unique to you, we end up getting paralyzed. Like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? How do I know for sure? Now, these are three types of categories of callings in the Bible, but as it turns out, these are not three separate types of callings, okay? Next slide, I'll show you how this works. They're actually all interconnected. For example, if you know who God is, you know what he's gonna do anyways. He wants to bring heaven on earth. He wants to rescue people, right? Then, that should inform your moral calling, right? Oh, so if God wants to rescue people, then helping people is a good thing. I should help people, right? If God is trying to avert us from destruction, destruction is a bad thing. Maybe we shouldn't destroy people's lives, right? So that's moral calling. How, you see how this informs the second one? And then these two things combined should inform our personal call. So if I know that God wants the world to look a certain way, right? and that in order to achieve that, you have to behave a certain way, moral call, then if I have to choose what I'm supposed to do with my life, you get a basic general idea of which direction you shouldn't go and which direction you're supposed to go. And so personal call is informed by these first two categories. Are you guys following, tracking? So far so good? Okay. So here's a summary of this first one. Discovering your calling is dependent on your intimate knowledge of God. You know when you're like, what am I supposed to do? And people's like, Christian answer is, oh yeah, just seek out God. And you're like, that didn't help. That person, whoever said that to you, is deeper than you think, okay? (laughs) What they're saying is, the more you get to know God, the more you get to know Jesus, right, the more you get this gut feeling about what God will want you to do. And eventually, you know how I had like three steps? Eventually, when you do it enough, it starts to blend in together. You don't have to think step one, step two, and step three. It starts to blend in together because as you're doing the thing that God has called you to do, you get to know God more, but the more you get to to know God, you know what you're supposed to do next, but the thing that you're doing next, it'll help you understand God more and so forth, and it starts to blend in. I'm having a hard time describing this, but I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say here. There's this, it's not step one, two, and three anymore. It's this one big thing. Yeah. Now, there's a problem with this model, especially if you're new to the church, is that, just like any other relationship, this is not something you can say, I need to know what school I'm going to by tonight. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, so I'm going to get started now, and by tonight, he's going to let me know what I'm supposed to do. Stuff like this takes time, years, decades sometimes. It takes a long time, so it's like, you know, like, like I need to know by tonight. Well, you can't. You know, it takes time, okay? Here's a quote from Philip Yancey. He, he's not a theologian, but he writes about his Christian experience, and he writes it in such a great way. Okay, and so he, he says this. The scriptures repeatedly tells us that love for God, which means acting in love, uh, loving ways towards God, nurtures the relationship and leads towards growth. He's saying the more we start to live out the way that God wants us to live, it helps us grow, of course. Next slide. I do not get to know God then do his will. It's not like A, B, then C. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. So he's talking about this. The more I do his thing, the more I get to know him, the more I get to know him, the more I do his things, and then it starts to get into one big clump, right? Next one. I enter into an active relationship, which means spending time with God, getting to know him, caring about people he cares about. I'm starting to align more with the people he cares about. You know, so I'm gonna, if God cares about these people, then I care about these people. You see how it starts to blend in? And following his commands, whether I spontaneously feel like it or not, it just becomes a part of you. You start to align with God without even knowing it because you're seeking out God. It's this clump, right? Like I said, it takes a long time. So the question is this. What if you don't have the time? What if you're new to this thing called Christianity and you don't know God that well? right? And you need to have a decision sooner than 10 years or whatever, right? The question is this, what if I don't have an intimate relationship with God? Well, get started now. That's a good answer, right? But there is a second way. So the first way is, you know, have an intimate relationship with God. There's a second way of finding out what God's call for your life is. But like I said, it does not replace the first one. This is like a temporary fix, okay? So don't. it's very practical. And this, this secondary way is not just for people who are just studying out on their walk with Jesus. It's also for people who've been walking with God for a long time, and you get a sense, like, maybe this is what God wants me to do, but I need confirmation. Like, I need to know for sure this is what God wants me to do, so you have some doubt. This process I'm about to share about next, it's a principle that's from the Old Testament that's practiced in the New Testament. This principle, you could use it too, okay? So remember, this is not a replacement for the first way we just talked about, but, you know, that one is important. But this one is also very helpful. Okay, so what I'm about to talk talk about is very practical and is found in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 12. Let me set up the scene for you guys. A long time ago in Israel, there was a group of people called the Israelites. They found their land that they're supposed to live on. And they're like, you know what? This is great. We're hanging out with God. We're having a great time. But when I look around, it seems like all the neighboring nations have kings. I like to have a king. Uh, God's like, but I'm your king. No, no, I want a king. Like, okay, fine, you can have your king. So they select King Saul. Bad idea. Saul, bad king, really bad. Ego maniac, crazy guy, okay? And so eventually he dies, and God's like, here, if you really have to have a king, here's your guy. Here comes King David. And they're like, yes, this is the king we've been waiting for. Awesome king. Makes a few mistakes along the way, but so far in comparison, best king we had so far. King David gets old and he dies, and they're like, who's our next king? Like, well, um, who's going to fill in his shoes? Like, well, David has a son. Okay, what's his name? Solomon. Okay, we'll make him king. And so Solomon becomes king, the third king of Israel. And he starts off pretty good. But then they're like, oh, no, he's nothing like David. Oh, this is really bad. And he ends up, his story ends in a really bad way. But eventually Solomon dies. And they're like, can we find somebody that was like David, not like Solomon? (laughs) And they're like, well, you know, Solomon had a kid. Well, what's his name? Uh, Rehoboam. Can we have him as our king? Maybe he'll be just more like, you know, David and not like Solomon. Like, okay, let's give it a try. So 1st King chapter 12, this is the part where he becomes king. Rehoboam becomes the fourth king of Israel, and he has, a big, has big shoes to fill because he's not just trying to fill in the shoes of his father, but his grandfather, right? So are you guys clear on what's going on here? I just want you to, show, to feel the weight of this whole thing. Like, oh, I'm the king, and I have so much to you know, measure up to. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. Coronation day. Okay. The whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, so everybody's like, oh, he's our new king? Well, we need to have a word with him. And this is what the assembly told him. Your father put a heavy yoke on us. Your dad treated us like slaves. But now, lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. If you want the best from us, please, please, don't treat us like slaves. Respect us. You respect us, we'll respect you. Yeah. Now, Bohm is like, the answer seems obvious, but I don't know. Paralysis, right? Like, like uh, maybe, how am I supposed to respond to this? So he says, you know, I need time. He answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Like, just give me three days to think about this. I'll talk to some people. I'll pray about it. And I'll get back to you about the whole slavery thing. Okay, let's keep going. <coughs> king rehoboam consulted the elders he said hey elders who are these elders well these are people who had served his father solomon during his lifetime meaning they saw the best of solomon where they're like oh this could be the next david and the worst of solomon's like Oh, i can't believe he did that okay so he, th- these elders have seen the whole life of solomon how would you advise me to answer these people he asked these wise elders their response they replied if today you will be his servants to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer; they will always be your servants. You respect them; they'll respect you. You treat them like people; they'll treat you like a, a good person. Like it's going to work out. Like so, the, these people are like we've seen your father his rise and his fall. And let me tell you right now: treat the people well. Give them a favorable answer. Sounds good, right? Let's see what happens. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders that the el- elders gave him. Why? Well, next part and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He has friends that he grew up with, but they're not really friends. They're hired people to be his friends, meaning these people who are around him that grew up with him are on his payroll. Yeah, you're going to get great answers from these guys. Okay, let's see what they say. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer to these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? Their answer, the young men... Who had grown up with them replied, These people have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. <laughs> okay. Next verse. Now tell them: my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. This way of saying, like, like you're the man, right? Okay. And your dad wasn't. My father laid on you a heavy yoke, well, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. This is funny. I will scourge you with scorpions. <laughs> What are you gonna do, scorpions? <laughs> Weird imagery, I know, but it's it's demonstrating a point. Okay, like how ridiculous this is. Let's keep going. Three days later, because he said, "Give me three days." The assembly returned to Rehoboam as the king had said, "Come back to me in three days." These guys are obedient to you know. We gave you three days. Give us your answer. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said. It's predictable what he says. My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. I know, like king of the year. Okay, next. (laughs) When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, what share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? He's saying, we're hoping for a David, right? David is the son of Jesse. Like, we're hoping for a David, but we didn't get David today we got somebody else and so the news goes out to this public and now King Rehoboam's like okay let's get started with the slave thing okay let's do it okay so I need to hire somebody uh, to take care of that aspect of my kingdom and so he does that right here King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram I think that's how you say it Adoniram who was in charge of forced labor but all Israel stoned him to death it's like you know, your, your employer is here. It's like, no, right, he's down. So King Rehoboam, he sees this, right? It's like, he, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem where it's fortified. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Okay, happy ending? No, no, not a happy ending. But there are some really good principles that you find in this story that we could apply to today because clearly God was speaking to Rehoboam and he ignored it, Right? So, what can we learn? What is the second, secondary way of hearing from God on what we're supposed to do? It's this. Discover God's will by listening to others. And why is this so important? Remember, nothing replaces an intimate relationship with God. But if that doesn't work for you, here's the second one. Listen to other people. Now, why is this good for us? It's because a lot of times we're so close to the decisions that we're making that we can't see the bigger picture anymore. It's so messy that you can't understand what am I supposed to do again? What are the pros and cons? Sometimes we're so emotionally invested in something that sometimes a person who has maybe half your brain will come in and say, oh, you're supposed to do this, and you're like, that is genius. How did you know? It's like, well, because it's obvious, and for you it's not, but for other people it might be obvious, right? So it's important to listen to other people. And sometimes, this is my case, is when I'm praying and praying and praying, and I've been praying for a long time, I think I hear God's voice, but then I'm like, wait a minute, that might be my internal dialogue, like monologue? Dialogue? Do I have dialogue with my, st-? I'm having a dialogue right now. Okay, um, <clears throat> right, but, <laughs> but sometimes you, it's hard to distinguish between your own voice and God's voice because you are so engrossed in this whole thing, right? So, right, <clears throat> like for example, when it was around the time in my life where I was like, I think I'm gonna propose to my girlfriend, Right? And I was thinking about it for a long time. And after a while, I'm like, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Is this what we want to do? And a voice inside me is like, Yes. And I'm like, Was that my voice or was that God's voice? I don't know, right? So I talked to my accountability partner at the time. And he's like, Well, Klaus, it seems like you're like, you want to spend the rest of your life with her. And you seem pretty confident that you guys are compatible. And so I think it's pretty obvious. I'm like, You're a genius. Like, no, I'm just. Stating the obvious, cuts and I'm like, okay, right? So sometimes talking and listening to other people is really important, but there is a huge warning here because in the Rehoboam story that we just read right now, he listened to two groups of people. The first group, the elders, gave them really good advice, advice from God, right? But in the second part of the story, he listened to people he shouldn't have listened to, right? So the big question mark in this one right here is this word right here, others, who are these others that we should be listening to? Rehoboam listened to the wrong people and heeded their advice over the advice of the elders. So for the remainder of the sermon today, I want to talk about tips. Tips on listening. Now, some of these things are principles from the story we just read. Others are personal stories that I'm like, hey, this has helped me. And being a pastor for like close to 20 years now, I have heard stories from you about what worked for you also. So I'm just compiling all of them. I have five tips. You might have a sixth or a seventh, or you might just take out one of them because you're like, that's just ridiculous. Feel free to do that. Okay, this is just tips from me as somebody who has lived my life for 40 plus years. There you go. Okay, I don't know if that's worth anything for you guys. but Okay, you guys are like, I lived for 60 years. I have more. Good. I want to hear about it because I want to listen. Okay, so number one. Listen to people who are seeking to deepen their relationship with Jesus. Remember, we're not talking about decision-making. We're talking about discernment. We're talking about aligning ourselves with God, and where we align ourselves is where the answer is supposed to be for us, right? If you are having a hard time hearing from God, you want to talk to somebody who is already on that journey. So they won't ask questions like, what's your decision? They will ask you questions like, well, what would God want you to do? Or, hey, if I was in your situation, I feel like God would want me to do this, right? So, first one, listen to people who are seeking to deepen their relationship with Jesus. That's number one. Number two, it gets more and more practical. Listen to people who have nothing to lose by telling you the truth. In the Rehoboam story, he chooses to listen to the people that are on his payroll who would gain a lot from uh, from Rehoboam saying, yes to the slavery thing right it's like yeah that means you become the more powerful king which means we make more money so yeah we have so much to win but the elders the elders are retired they were personal advisors for the former king and they've seen the best and the worst of the the former king's reign and so they have nothing to lose they're already retired right they could have been like so uh what should I do? And they're like, well, it doesn't affect us either way, so let me just tell you what I think you should do, right? Talk to people who have nothing to lose. If they have something to gain from, the, from you answering yes or no, then warning signs. Be careful. Okay. Number three. Listen to people who are where you want to be. In the Rehoboam story, the elders have seen the best and the worst of the former king, so they have this perspective of what worked and what didn't work. What are some things you should watch out for when you're a king? What are some things that could lure you away from doing what God wants you to do? They have all that perspective. And Rehoboam should have been like, I want to be where you are one day. How did you get there? You know, this is why I heard some stories that some life groups would invite somebody over to their house or their group and say like, hey, we love the way you pray. We want to be where you are. What are some tips? And ask some questions because you are already where we want to be. And then you'll say, like, hey, you know, one day you know, I want to pray. I get distracted. What do you do in that situation? And this person might say, I used to be where you were. Here are some things that work for me. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but my wife and I, we're doing, we're doing youth group now. And in youth group, we try to invite some of you guys over and say, hey, when you were in high school, tell us what was important to you. And after the fact, looking back, were those things still important to you? Was popularity that important to you? You know? I know you're stressing over what school you get into. In hindsight, how does that look to you now? What are some decisions you made that you wish you didn't make? We do this because we believe in this principle. Because for some of us, we have to hear from people who are where they want want to be. Hey, you're so good with your money. How did you get to that place? What are some chores I could do today that will develop that skill so that one day I could do it without my parents telling me to do it? Talk to people who are already where you want to be in the future. Okay. Next question. By the way, you might be asking some of you to come speak at our youth group one day. <laughs> uh, next one. Listen to more than one person. Now, Rehoboam did that. He, if he stopped at the first one, it would have been like, cool. But I have a feeling that he was like, I, we talked to the elders. I need to hear somebody else from a different perspective. And I think I wish he'd listened to another person, right? But he talked to people that, that had a lot to lose if Real button made the wrong decision. Okay. I understand that a lot of people don't have this luxury. Because the decision you're trying to make is very, very private to you. Right? So because it's private, you're like, I only trust this information with this person, and you can only talk to one person. I understand. But if you can talk to more than one person, okay? Um a lot of times having multiple perspectives will make it a little easier for you, to understand, oh, this person is saying this because this is the background they have. This person has this background, right? But let me even be more specific about the type of people you talk to. Talk to somebody who you completely trust and then also talk to somebody who doesn't really know you that well. So you kind of get a, a bigger perspective. Okay, number five. Listen with the sensitivity that God may speak to you. There have been times when I sat down at Starbucks or wherever, and this person is just sharing a story with me, and at the end of the meeting, I'm like, thank you so much for sharing that with me. That just changed my life. And they're like, what? Like, yeah, I feel like God just spoke to me through you. They're like, we did? Like, yeah, you you did. Like, the story, that story really resonated with me. Like, well, we had no idea. In most cases, when people share with you what they think, they don't know that God is speaking through them. By the way, if you sit down at a Starbucks and the person sitting across from you is like, all right, get ready to hear from God because I'm going to give you some advice. Stay away from that person, okay? <laughs> but a lot of times when somebody asks you, hey, I, uh, uh, you know, what do you think about this? And you give them an answer and you are a person who's trying to deepen your relationship with God. You'll say something that maybe might be the exact words that that person wanted to hear from God and God just used you and he had no idea that he did. You know, I use this principle a lot not because I don't have an intimate relationship with God, but there are times where I'm like, I have this intimate relationship with God, but I'm still unsure about certain things, so I'm gonna use this principle. Some of you in this church probably heard me talking to you before, like before I purchased a car, I talked to some of you, like hey, you have the car that I'm looking at, what do you think? And this person would share, I'm like okay, that's good, right? Sometimes I have some medical issues, and I will talk to some of you like, hey, you had some medical issues, right? Um, How did you deal with that? And they will tell me, I'm like, oh, okay, right? And and that's what the body of Christ is, is that we're a group of people who come together with different backgrounds and we help each other. We learn from each other. God speaks to all of us through the people that are in this congregation, right? And I wish Rehoboam bought into this principle because his dad, Solomon, he actually had something to say about this and Rehoboam totally ignored his advice. L- look at this. This is something that Solomon wrote. Oh, wait, wait this is a, here we go, for the lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Talk to people and hear from God. Talk to people and hear from God, but don't just talk to anybody. Be wise with the type of people you talk to. Okay, so let me just summarize what we talked about here today. The first principle was this, seek an intimate relationship with God. This is the primary way. The more you align with them, the more you figure out what your decisions are supposed to be. And then the second principle, as not as good as the first one, but very practical is this. Listen to someone within an inti- who's with an intimate relationship with God. In both cases, an intimate relationship is required, either by you or by proxy. And this is what you want to really go for. Now, I know this is not a foolproof way of finding out what God wants you to do with your life, right? Because what if you talk to the wrong person? Or what if the person you thought had nothing to lose from it actually did have something to lose with it, but they tell you about it, right? So it's not foolproof. But the longer you're on this journey, the more and more wisdom you'll gain, and you'll start to find out more and more of what God wants you to do with your life. Amen.